Funding for Smart Talk is provided by Capital Blue Cross, providing health care coverage accepted by doctors and specialists in all 50 states. Serving the community for over 75 years, Capital Blue Cross is behind you for whatever lies ahead. More information is available at capbluecross.com. Capital Blue Cross, live fearless. Smart Talk is also supported by Pinnacle Health, who is studying a new surgical technique that allows surgeons to make repairs to the heart without having to open the chest cavity and while the heart is beating. Info at PinnacleHealth.org. Welcome to Smart Talk. I'm Scott Lamar. Well, if you love books, you probably don't need a reason or a season to curl up in a comfortable place to relax and read or a new season, but there are certain times of year and activities that a good book is an essential part of. Vacation is one of those times you're looking to relax, and a book is most often part of those efforts to wind down and not be rushed around. Today's Smart Talk is our annual program on good books to read this summer on the beach, at the pool, in the mountains, or at home on the deck or the patio. We have a panel assembled to discuss books they are reading or would recommend. So let me introduce our panel today, Catherine Lawrence, a writer and owner of Midtown Scholar Bookstore in, in Harrisburg. Catherine, welcome back to the program. Always look forward to seeing you. Thanks for having us. Also joining us today is Dr. Travis Kurowski, an assistant professor of creative writing at York College of Pennsylvania. Dr. Kurowski, welcome to the show. Thank you, Scott. And John Walker, who blogs at johnosbookreviews.com and author of the new book, A Certain Cast of Light. John Walker, I am talking to you live on the air for the first time since you've had a book published, and we're going to talk about that during the program. Thanks a lot. Good to see you. If you have a question or a comment, and I'm going to ask a question right up front, and we kind of like to make this our theme. Um, not only are we looking for you to recommend books that uh, that you like or books that you want to read this summer, but uh, also answer this question, the ultimate summer read book. What's the ultimate summer book? And, you know, right off the top of my head when I was thinking about this question, I thought, okay, well, Jaws is the first one to come <laughs> to mind because I Ball remember <laughs> there you, if you did the whole thing, the whole musical theme. But, uh, you know, when the book came out, I, was, I remember being at the beach, reading the book and thinking, okay, I don't know whether I want to go in the water or not. And uh, so that's kind of like, in my mind, one of the ultimate beach reads. But uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit later and ask uh, the three of you what you think is the ultimate summer book. So think about it a little bit. But let's get right into it. Uh, Catherine, I'm going to start with one. Uh, and, and he's a local author now, right. Jeff Shera. Yes. Jeff Shera. And I'm going to mention this because I want to give you a little bit of a, a plug <laughs> for the, the bookstore coming up this weekend. Jeff Shera has a new book out called The Frozen Hours, a novel of the Korean War. And uh, he's going to be at uh, Midtown Scholar this Monday, June 12th at 7 p.m. I say he's local. Uh, yes. Jeff moved to the Gettysburg area right. in, in recent years, but has a number of historical uh, fiction books out. And, of course, his father wrote uh, The Killer Angels, right. the model for the movie Gettysburg. Talk a little bit about this book. Yes, right. Well, he's written many, like his father, Civil War historical fiction, just a master of military historical fiction. And he's now turning to um, more modern era and has written this new book, which is on uh, during set during the Korean War. And um, it's really just out. He's coming to sort of celebrate the, the recent release of the book at the bookstore. And we invite everyone to come out. He'll do a reading and sign copies of the book there, and uh, we're all really looking forward to that. You know, it's one of those things that, uh, as you said, Jeff has written about a number, uh, a number of history, uh, historical fiction books, mostly about uh, combat, about wars. Uh, Korean War doesn't get a whole lot of attention. I imagine, you know, looking through the thousands of books that you have. Right. My guess is, if you look at history, Korean prob Korea probably is is down on the list. Right. Yes. Right. It's called the Lost War. Is sort of missing right. that uh, the telling and retelling. My grandpa was a veteran of it, and uh, so we in our family have, have heard stories. But I think that sort of as the veterans are passing away now, as a and kind of end with the political interest 
in Korea on the rise again. I think it's a, a moment when it's, it's not unexpected now to have military historical fiction writers turning to that period too to, um, to sort of um, remember and um, memorialize it. Okay, I'm going to uh, kind of... Uh push back a little bit here, Catherine. <laughs> this is Summer Reed. And yes. I asked the question, do we, do you look to have more fun, a little oh. lighter reading? And, oh, there are lots of folks okay, who want to read military historical fiction. And I the don't. other thing that's great about this book is it's a, it's a substantial book. So it will last you for, you know, a long weekend, a week at the beach. And, and you were talking about what makes a good Summer Read, yeah. your favorite ones. And um, I think that part of it can be really, you want a book you can dig into and immerse yourself in and historical fiction is often that way. And, and this one, Sh Jeff Scherer's book, will definitely serve that purpose if All you right. are you did historical a good job. minded. You did a good job on that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> All right, so John Walker, you're, you're back. And uh, I see you have one right off the top that you rate five stars out of five. Your first one there. Which one are you talking about? I'm is, talk it, is, it, uh, is it homing? Homegoing. Homegoing, okay. Okay, yeah, homegoing. Uh, I found out this woman's name is pronounced Yar Jesse. Okay. She's from Ghana. It's a uh, and the best thing about this uh, sprawling novel, which spans two centuries and two continents, uh, and what makes it a, a beach read is that it's um, actually a series of short stories. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to remember all the names all then last for the whole book. You know, you, you can it, it break it breaks it apart into and readable sort of sections. So you can read a couple chapters you can read it, and then you can read go in the water. And then, yeah, and come, then come back and read another couple okay, chapters. Right, okay, and, uh, gotcha. Yeah. It follows the history of two branches of an African family, uh, two women, uh, Ephia and Isai, I think that's how you pronounce your name, who in the late 1700s, uh, one of them is captured and sent to America as a slave. Another is born as an African slave in the kind of slavery that they had in Africa. Mm -hmm but was made a wife of a British slaver. And so she starts poor and ends up living the grand lady. And so they live quite different lives. And they follow then the descendants of these two women. Uh, each chapter, a new descendant, a new generation. And then you skip between families uh, until you get to the present time. Sounds very roots-like. It is very roots-like. It's very roots-like. Uh, it's, it's um, you know, they have bad experiences. I mean, it's a pretty fairly grim book. Uh, their lives. So okay, no wait. I want to just like I did with Catherine. Uh, we're on well, the see, beach I, with a grim book. Well, grim might be. Uh, it's okay. also right, it's also it, enlightening. It's okay. also right. um, you uh, want to be motivated. You want to be inspired. Yeah, you get you 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 get. It's a kind of book you get totally wrapped up into. Okay, all right. And um, and it's interesting how these two different branches, one in Af of the same family, one in Africa, one in America, live totally different lives, but they're hauntingly similar. Mm -hmm. And twinged by the uh, sin of the original sin of slavery in each case, and um, uh, she brings it up to the present time, and it's 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 a great it's a great read. Mm -hmm. Travis Kurowski, you read that book, didn't you? I did. You I did. did. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, what do you have to add to that? Well, the only thing I'd add is that I think even I think when like some of our favorite songs are sad songs, I think even some less than um, humorous books I think can be great summer reads or great immersive reads because of the lyrical language and, and you know, Jesse is one of the, the best prose stylists I think of, of, of recent uh, memory. Yeah, I read the book last year and I talked to her um, a bit in an interview and I think yeah, it's got a lot to offer about how we understand. It's a debut novel, too. Isn't yeah, it? it's a debut novel. It's a fantastic first re um, first novel, and I I think it has a lot to offer about how we understand um, the history of slavery in the United States. And it's it's like reading poetry and prose. It's mm -hmm. really a beautiful book. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, Travis Kurowski, this is the first time you've appeared on a panel, so welcome. You're Thank we you, have Scott. a couple of veterans here, and uh, uh, I ask you for some recommendations. And uh, you know, one of the I told you, you know, I kind of gave you, didn't give you a whole lot of guidelines. Just, you know, books that you like, you recommend for summer reads that people would enjoy. And, you know, one of the things I always like, and, you know, both uh, Catherine and John do this uh, all the time when we have these programs, is it doesn't have to be on the bestsellers list. It doesn't have to be a book that has just been released within the last year. And the very first book I, I saw on your list uh, is a classic. Yeah. 
the Hayden, the the Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. Talk about that. And night and this goes. Well, I, I didn't realize it was all the way back in 1985. <laughs> My first reaction to trying to come up with a list of books was I mean, older books, and it actually took me a, a moment to get to some some newer books that I could I could recommend as as, as summer reads. But yeah, I think we have this needing or obsession with newness and the hot new thing. But it's not like the old thing is any 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 less just because it's it's older. It's been around since, well, for Margaret Atwood's A Handmaid's Tale about 1985. But usually something will come up in the culture, such as um, Korean politics or what have you, that'll remind us of certain things. Um, and so for A Handmaid's Tale, of course, a lot of us are watching the great new Hulu series uh, um, adapted from the novel um, called The Handmaid's Tale. And I think they're on episode like seven mm-hmm. or eight. I'm an episode or so behind. And it, and it's it's reminded, I think, a lot of us um, about about the novel, about the greatness of the novel. And so a lot of us have got back into it. Myself, I, I turned to the to audiobook, the audiobook by Claire Danes of Margaret Atwood's um, dystopian fiction of of of, of this sort of um, gender slavery. Um, we'll talk um, a little bit about the book for those who are not so, familiar with it. Who you know, because believe it or not, we may have some people born after 1985 <laughs> <laughs> listening. Well, the, the novel's told in first person. Um, it's I mean, it's it's a complex novel, but it's largely told in first person by this woman named Offred um, in a um, a. a, a a speculative um, um, fictional idea that that the United States has been um, sort of usurped by some um, sort of Christian fundamentalists that have, have taken over the continent and and taken over the country um, and established the Republic of Gilead and they have these um, essentially um, slaves these women that are, are used for for reproduction because of um, it, it's never explained but possibly some environmental disasters or whatnot that have that have made it harder for the um, society to continue and it's told from the perspective of her in this in this state um, what's really interesting about this and what is really interesting I think about speculative fiction science fiction in general which Margaret Atwood writes a lot of is that we can then see these ideas of love and devotion and the state and politics and family in a new light and they make us rethink mm-hmm. so Alfred trying to understand her ideas about desire and devotion and love and her relationship to men within this new society is, is kind of fascinating and horrifying, too. And, and, and tell well, you the know, show. You know, uh, well, first of all, Margaret Atwood's name comes up fairly often. Yes, when right. We, we <laughs> talk. Recommendations. Uh, but, uh, you know, just as you were, you were talking about this, about how current events, how often have you heard over the past year or so about 1984? Yeah. It's and a bestseller. It's, it's, again, it, yes. It is a bestseller again? Yes, I, I mean, absolutely. That doesn't surprise me. Our right. dystopian mm. present. Yeah, yeah. And Brave yeah. New World, too. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, that uh, a lot of the classics that were written decades ago that uh, people are rereading. Now, uh, want to hear from you. want to hear from the audience. Uh, books that you'd like to read this summer. Books you can recommend. And some, who's going to be first here to answer that question? The ultimate summer book. 1-800-729-7532 is the number to call. Send an email to smarttalk at org. You could leave your book, your question, your recommendation on WITF Facebook page. On Twitter, we are at WITF. All right. Now, I've... Um, Giving you a few minutes to think about this, so I'm just going to quickly go through the three of you and uh, that ultimate summer book. Catherine? Yes, right. So um, if you want something that's immersive uh, fiction, I would have to say The Outlander by Diane Gabaldon, and there are sort of many books in the series, but, e- but each one is a, t- a, a wonderful, immersive um, trip into the 18th century of Scotland during the Jacobite Revolution and also into World War II as a woman passes through a portal of time. I, we probably talked about this right. book before right. but that kind of book which is um, which is allows you to um, escape into another world and when you have the summer days with time to um, to read it in a in a in a thorough fashion um, with such a wonderful eloquent writer I highly recommend all right Travis what about you well I might um I kind of go against that idea a little bit about maybe it's because of my own life having having two kids and, and, and as a writer and, um, and a teacher but I, I think at least what I want today and I think I wanted different summer books when I was younger is something a little bit a little smaller like a paperback I can throw in my backpack or a bag and it has kind of smaller chunks that I can digest and then maybe lay on the beach and right. maybe fall asleep or something like this or what have you have a cocktail can't um, read when you're asleep <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I mean it, what I was really um, happy with um, this new collection of essays by Durga Chu Bose which is um, a lot like Bad Feminist and, and the Empathy Exams and a lot of these essay collections that have really captivated me recently and allowed me to kind of dip into the author's um, consciousness and perspective on the world for 
30, 40 pages and get an entire read um, and, and those sort of things. And so I think I think um, Too Much and Not the Move by Durga Chubos recently out this year would be, I think, a perfect beach read. Um, she she you know riffs about um, contemporary um, politics, film dating um, her own adventures at, at, um, in New York City and also what it's like as a first generation um, Indian American and it's, it's I think th- those sort of books for me are, and I can carry them in my pocket too are really kind of fascinating mm-hmm. summer reads John well I'm going to go with Ahab's Wife by Sina Jeter Nasal. Now, this is your ultimate. I mean, this is on your list. but this It's on is my your... list, but you know, actually, I, we're sitting on the spot doing my ultimate. So. Oh, okay. okay. Um, and I would, though, classify this as a really great summer read. It is, um, and the, the, maybe the best thing about it is it's the creative spark that created it, that started it. Um, she took a, a throwaway line in uh, Moby Dick, Herman Melville's Moby Dick, where he mentions his wife. And she just uses her imagination and spins that into a 700-word, <laughs> 700-page long book of her own. Now, it's very reminiscent of Mel- She pays kind of homage to Melville. Mm-hmm. Her prose is very Melville- Melvillian. She has short chapters, which makes it good for a book. Like in Moby Dick, there are short chapters. Mm-hmm. But what's different than Moby Dick is that she doesn't get all stuck in the tripods of a, of a whale ship. I mean, they're... <laughs> It's a very it's a breezy. Thing. It's a very breezy read, mm-hmm. and it's actually a, a a happy kind of book. Mm-hmm. Things good things happen to their, the main protagonist is this woman named Una Spencer, and she's she's quite a she's quite a chick. She's um, you know living in the early eighteen hundreds, but she's right on the cutting edge of the of, of her times. She's rubbing elbows with transcendentalists in Boston, and uh, there's a woman named Maria Mitchell who's the first professional astronomer who happens to live on a, on Nantucket where she's living. So she. She gets around the globe. She she has a stint as a where she dresses up as a boy and becomes a, a cabin boy on a whale ship. So she's kind of everywhere on the cutting edge of her time, sort of like Forrest Gump, but smarter. You know, I, I, I mentioned a few years ago that I read Moby Dick for the first time just about five years ago, and that was during the summer. I was actually right. in Mystic, Connecticut. Yes, and had to, you know, I, I saw I saw the book. You know, I said to my wife, I said, you know, I've never read Moby Dick, and there was a five dollar paperback. I said, well, that there ain't no way I'm gonna, you know, you know, pass that by. So it's way better when you read it as an adult and you're not forced to read it. In college. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> you're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. Smart Talk is supported by Capital Blue Cross, providing health care coverage accepted by doctors and specialists in all 50 states. More information is available at capbluecross.com. Capital Blue Cross, live fearless. Smart Talk is also supported by Pinnacle Health Spine Institute, offering a complete range of services to diagnose and treat your spine condition. More information is available at pinnaclehealth.org spine. Welcome back to Smart Talk. It is our annual summer read. Um, I don't know. I, I never can come up with like a catchy name for this thing. So I always say that, you know, books that you'd read on the beach, books that you would read on summer vacation, doesn't have to be on the beach, doesn't have to be next to water, could be in your house, could be <laughs> on your deck, could be on your, you know, sitting on the couch in air conditioning, hopefully, after, you know, with the forecast for, for next week. But books that you would like to read this summer, and uh, really these books are good for any time, but uh, as you're making your plans for a vacation, and I, I do think that there are many people, Tim Lambert, our news director here, WITF left for vacation today, <laughs> and uh, I, I asked him when I was talking about this show yesterday. Said, "All right, so what books do you have?" And he said, "Don't worry, I have three books. I'm playing. He's going to the beach. Yeah. I have three books, and I'm bringing them along. So, you know, he he said that's that's part of the the didn't vacation what they plan. Were. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't tell me what they were. But Tim is really into history, so I have a, a, a uh, uh, you know I don't think I'm going too far by saying that uh, I know at least one of them will be a, a history book. Now we're going to take your phone calls in in just a moment. Your recommendations, what you're reading, what you want to read this summer. You can do that by calling one eight hundred seven two nine seven five three two or send an email to smarttalk at WITF.org. Our guest today, Catherine Lawrence, a writer and owner of Midtown Scholar Bookstore in Harrisburg. John Walker, who blogs at johnosbookreviews.com and author of the new book, A Certain Cast of Light. And Dr. Travis Kurowski, an assistant professor of creative writing at York College of Pennsylvania. 1-800-729-7532. Before we go back to our recommendations and take uh, some phone calls as well, John, I did want to mention, I just mentioned that uh, you just had your first book published, a Certain Cast of Light by Jonathan B. Walker. 
I got an opportunity. You gave me the honor of reading it before it was published and uh, got to do a quick uh, cover review, and I, I loved it. So the book is, how would you describe it? It's historical fiction. It is historical fiction. It's set in Connecticut um, uh, during the uh, Revolutionary War, American Revolutionary War. Uh, the chief narrator is a guy named Haynes Bennett, who's uh, in his mid-60s, thinking back at his, at his, uh, about his youth, uh, his youth which in his um, formative years, which were during the war. Uh, and um, he was in a divided family. And he is divided he, in... very divided. His father was a, was a loyalist. Right. He was a patriot. He was 13 years old at the start of the war and 20 at the end of it. And, and they, even though the father and son loved each other very much, the war tore them apart. Mm. And one of the things that I think is very unique about your book is, as you said, uh, uh, Haynes is 50 years later. Mm -hmm. He's thinking back to his, his childhood. Uh, at the time, 50 years later, he's an abolitionist yes. in New England. And he himself is kind of in the same situation as his father he's, he's was. Feeling, fighting the same sort of forces. As exactly. So I, I thought that was unique, and I thought that was, uh, you know, showed a whole lot of imagination. So, you know, we don't often do this, but I want to give you an opportunity to do a kind of a, a quick reading here on the air. Okay, I really appreciate it. Um, okay, this is, this is a passage where Haynes, at age 18 after the war has gone on for several years and, and he's seen a lot of terrible things and sort of been traumatized by it, decides, gets it in his head to run away to peace in, in Canada. And so he heads out one summer to, to Canada. And uh, after a few stumbles and side tra trips, uh, he finds himself lost in the woods. I, I imagine he's somewhere in southern Vermont and he's looking ahead. Winter is coming on and the, and the mountains are snow-capped. And he says, okay, enough of this. I'm going back home. And I'm going to go back home to uh, try and start a, my life again and to be with the girl, the woman that I hope to marry. And so this is, um, he, he turns home and he, and he gets to about three miles from home and dawn is about to break. And he knows that if he hurries, he can get to the ferry in time to meet his, his, his hopeful future wife because he knows he's, she's going to be on that ferry. Mm -hmm. And this is how at age 65 he remembers that morning. Meeker's scow was on the opposite bank, and while sitting on the launch waiting for it to cross, I perceived a cast of light in a way I had never quite seen before, that precise scattering of sunlight which is distinctive to the corner of the world where I was born and yet live. I saw it that morning brightening the rooftops of the warehouses in Norwalk, and have seen it many times since in the crisscrossing shadows of the undulating farm fields and in the changing colors of the marsh grasses that crowd the tidal creeks. It's the same constancy of light that coppers the wings of migrating geese in the evening sky over the mill pond, and that glints the pebbles strewn across the sandbar at the beach at dawn. It is the same cast of light I see this very moment, a golden patch, a golden patch upon my kitchen floor that is readying to march across the room before making its steady ascent up the contours of my bookcase. It is the same cast of light that fell upon my face as a boy dashing through clearings of ferns, and the same that fell upon the backs of my ancestors as they raked hay in their fields or hammered shingles into the roofs of their newly built houses. It was cold that morning, waiting for the ferry to cross, and time could not move fast enough for me. I had been wandering about the edges of the world for so long, but when the sun finally broke over the trees on Bennett's rocks and lit upon the chimneys of the warehouses on the far side of the river, I saw that certain cast of light and knew I had made it home. Obviously, that is a reference to the title of the book, right. uh, A Cast of Light. Uh, you, you know, and Kravis, you're a creative writer. It was a little right? intimidating to be sitting next to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when someone writes and you're picturing it in your mind, then, you know, the author has done his or her job. And that's exactly, I mean, I'm, ju I'm just, when I read that for the first time, well, that I re when I read the book, but then when you sent that to me yesterday, I was picturing that again. And it just kind of, because everyone has been in that situation where, whether it's sunlight, whether it's the feel of the air, the wind, you know your whatever, home. you know your home. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you very much, John. Thanks. And uh, the book is a, a, a certain cast of light and is available where? on Amazon. On Amazon. Okay. Let's take uh, some phone calls here. We have some listeners who want to join in. Heather is in Harrisburg. Heather, you're on the air. Hi. I love to read, but unfortunately I have ADD, so I bounce around from book to book to book. So I like two types of books, little skinny books <laughs> and self-help books. 
So my two favorite books, which are my go-to books, are The Last Lecture by Ron Posh and The Secret by Ron Byrne. And I would recommend them to anybody who just needs a kickstart to say, hey, things can always be worse and there's always a way to look at every situation in the best light. Hey, well, thank you very much, uh, Heather, for uh, your recommendations. You know, she kind of was apologetic about there's no reason to apologize for that. I mean, there no. are reasons. Absolutely. There are reasons in a bookstore, Catherine, that there's a whole section for self help. Oh, self help, uh, right? And these, inspirational, or you know, right? These small little volumes, as Travis was describing before, the WITF Maten Scholar Pick of the right. Month this month is a slim but moving story called "Tell Me How It Ends" by Valerie Lucelli, and it is a it is. Um, sort of provocative essays by a translator who worked in immigration courts in New York City describing the um, conversation she has with children who are appealing to be able to stay in the United States. But the book itself is uh, is slim and um, very accessible. And we've got that. That's a really popular type of book um, to have. I think in I think there's a turn towards nonfiction among our readers today, this year in 2017. And um, I think the sort of, you were describing Brooks Godstone's new thin volume, mm-hmm. and they are, Brooke they're Gladstone, powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you can read them in just, you know, one day, one night, one weekend, the, um, the, the discussion there will spur your thought and your action for the rest of the summer to mm-hmm. come. Any of the three of you, uh, a self-help book that uh, you would recommend or something that you've read? I mean, other than fiction or nonfiction that you found inspirational that... Now, John, you, nah. you're perfect. <laughs> Self, no, I am <laughs> not perfect. <laughs> Actually, our, um, one of our biggest sellers, besides 1984, it's rivaled by a book by um, that's called Milk and Honey, and it's a book of poetry that has a that has a re- sort of recovery sensibility uh-huh. to it, and it um, it is really one of our top sellers. Uh, Travis, I, I heard a, a gasp there when you. I don't know oh, whether it was a gasp mil- or not. No, Milk and Honey. I mean, I've seen it all over campus. It's a beautiful book of poems, right. and I. I, I pick it up and my students have it there and read a little bit of it and mm-hmm. um yeah it's, it's it's a lovely book and i i completely agree with um both the sensibility of of the caller and, and also what Catherine says about a lot of their customers um i, I find myself kind of leaning in towards a smaller book and often a lot of non-fiction books um personally uh, a few books that have, that have caught my attention these smaller books like um the tell me how it ends that you were talking about Catherine, um the argonauts by by maggie nelson is just, just fantastic um it's a, sort of memoir theory, critical thoughts, um, but maybe it's at 120 pages about about what what it's like to be in a body and in a relationship today, and, and sort of the, the more various states that we're in. Um, personally, I, I I've gotten into meditation a lot recently in mm-hmm. the past year, and there's this one um, monk, um, Thich Nhat Han, who has these how-to books that. Uh, Five ten years ago, they're, they're nothing. I, I would have probably probably picked up. I was maybe a little bit um, close-minded, um, but there's something I, I really really um, love today. And and the, the how to love book that I picked up uh, about a year ago, um, based on a recommendation by Brain Pickings, um, which is Maria Popova's um, fantastic website. If you're ever looking for book recommendations, and it's a small book, maybe 80 pages. A lot of it's white space and a few drawings in there. That just these small meditations about what loving means and, and how we how we relate to other people, how we love family, how we love um, romantic partners and whatnot. And it was it was one of the, the, the books I find myself carrying around again and again. Let's take some more phone calls. Bruce. Bruce is on the air. Bruce, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are you all doing? We're doing well. Good. Enjoy your show. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. So what what book are you going to recommend? I'm going to recommend the best nonfiction novel I've ever read about a Hungarian boy, 14 years old, ends up at the concentration camp, gets liberated by Patton's army, comes to America, joins the army, ends up in Korea, ends up in Chinese and North Korean POW camps, and while he's in the concentration camps and POW camps, he's actually Hey, Bruce, we're kind of we're losing your connection. It's not uh, real good. The book is Single Hambed. Are you familiar with? Uh, no, but I, you know, I I enjoyed his his description of the book. Unfortunately, 
even in uh, today's technology, sometimes the you run under a bridge. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Diane is in Palmyra. Diane, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. It's so nice to hear you all. And as you're talking, I'm I'm writing down all of the titles, so I get some new ideas. It's great. And we'll put them on so, our website too. Good. Well, the thing that um, I have loved, I, I retired uh, a couple years ago, and I joined a book club in at my public library. And I've loved being a part of it because um, I've read books that I would have never picked up. So I highly recommend getting into a good, uh, an actual book club. I hear some stories of book clubs that are mostly about adult beverages. But the ones <laughs> that really read the books and discuss them are great. So the one that I'm reading right now, uh, I am not finished, but I just loved it so much. It's the one that we're supposed to be reading for September. It's called America's First Daughter by Stephanie Dre and Laura Kamoy, maybe it is. It is a novel, but it's based on the writings of Thomas Jefferson. And um, just the details that are in this, if you've ever gone to Monticello or uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson's woods down in Virginia, as she's writing, you can see where they are. And also the tidbits of history that you know about Thomas Jefferson um, just come to life, and, and it puts it in a family kind of um, a setting. So I'm loving this book. You know, Diane, something you just uh, described, I love doing that, too. You read about something in a book, and then you want to go to the place where it took place. Absolutely. I mean, she talks in such detail about Thomas Jefferson's rooms in Monticello. Yeah. And uh, so in your mind's eye, you're walking through... A, the, the house with them. So it's awesome. Oh, thank you very much for your call. Love Monticello, too, my favorite presidential home. Uh, Catherine, I saw you uh, nodding your head. Yes. Wasn't this America's First Order? Wasn't this on the bestsellers list? Uh, I, I, I've had it as a recommendation that I've shared before. The authors are actually um, also great writers of historical fiction and romance fiction of all of romantic suspense and a variety of subgenres of romance fiction, and they've come together in this sort of based on a true story um, account, which is great. So I, I highly recommend Maybe it. Maybe that's where I remember seeing it right. you, one of your recommendations before. Mm -hmm. And I also very much with you agree with the benefit of uh, reading a book and then going to a place. Um, you have been talking about going to New England, Connecticut, and Mystic, Connecticut. And my book on the list like that is from Massachusetts. There's a new biography coming out of Henry David Thoreau in July, which I highly recommend to anyone who... Well, you talk know. about it a little bit. Right. So so um, apparently there hasn't been a real full-fledged uh, biography of Thoreau in a couple of generations. And this author, who is, I believe, at Northwestern, she's in uh, in Illinois, has written um, a really um, accessible historical account of every aspect of his life that's imbued with a sense of his writing as well. And she's written in the past about other nature writers and edited their papers and collections. So if you if you're going hiking for the summer, um, whether it's in Massachusetts or closer to home, this would be a great biography to take with you. Well, John, your book is set in Connecticut, yep. and Connecticut has kind of embraced your book, haven't they? Well, um, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say embraced. My okay. Book. Well, I mean, but you still. <laughs> there, I mean, you there, have it, a review it's, from it's, Westport. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's it's the the town itself features in the book. I mean, it's it's part of the book. It's an, I tried to make it another character in the book, and um, it is uh, in that particular time. It was a unique place to be. Uh, the the because the British were stationed on Long Island, which was right across, right, the like sound. twelve miles yeah. across the Sound, and and the Connecticut was strongly patriot. There was this invisible sort of secret war that went on throughout the entire war, called the Whaleboat War, where these patriots would row across in their whaleboats and kidnap and kill a couple of Tories on Long Island, and then and a couple of nights later, the, the Tories would retaliate. Mm -hmm. And so um, the ge the accident of its geography put it in the nexus of a of a of a you know a very important and um, trying time. Mm -hmm. Travis, anywhere you've ever visited after reading about it in a book? I was just trying to think about that. I think my whole conception of New York City, I think probably for a lot of us, is yeah. based on fiction literature. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, growing up in Oregon, I think I remember kind of thinking that we kind of lacked, I think, that little bit. And I'd, I'd long for Boston or I'd long for New York City or Paris, a place I'd never been. And I kind of wondered, like, why 
why I didn't have that kind of long. And now, of course, we have Portlandia and all this right. sort of stuff. Yeah. Now I'm talking about in the 80s. Yeah, you have your own show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, yeah, my conception of New York was, was built on, on the backs of um, people like um, Fitz, Fitzgerald and Salinger and, and these sort of people or something. So. Mm. Although, have you ever been to Walden Pond lately? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I've seen it's not like, on the highway. It's not like. It's, it's pictured in, in the in the book. Really? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's surrounded by a, a, a storm fence and a lot of houses and factories. Yeah. And, uh, Encroachment. <laughs> it's been encroached upon. Yeah. Let's go to Ken in Lewisburg. Ken, you're on the air. Good morning, Scott, good morning. and good guests. Uh, I have a book that I picked up here from the wife of one of the characters in this book. It's about World War II, and it's called The Two Jacks. And it's about two Canadian military people that end up raising to the rank of major. But soon after D-Day, they are captured near Caen. And then they are forced marched and scraped by Allied aircraft uh, to another city where they're put into a a Nazi prison camp. they are then put on a train throughout France, and as the train tracks and the train yards are being bombed, they're, they're trying to survive. They escape from the train. Uh, they get connected with the uh, Free French. Uh, the Free French then get them connected with the Marquis, and the Marquis is something we hear very little about, but they were a very fighting force of the Free French and quite ruthless. But it's about a three-month journey through France, and I was stationed in uh, that area uh, in 1963 to 65, when we were still in in France, um, military-wise. And uh, I know that area, and they ended up with the Legion of... um, whatever the French highest award that they can get from Charles de Gaulle gave them to them. Plus, um, it is their story. It's going to be hard to find. I found it in a used bookstore on the West Coast. There are some other books out there, but it's called The Two Jacks. The author of the of the book is um, Will R. Bird, V-I-R-D, and it was told to him by these two uh, men Dr. Fairweather, or Jack Fairweather, became a doctor and um, practiced here in Lewisburg for many, many years before his death. And his widow, as I say, is still living here, and uh, we've had some nice talks. Uh, This is a book that I I feel is quality of a movie. Um, I would hope that maybe somebody out there might be interested in making a movie from this because it could be a blockbuster. It's action from the very beginning all the way to the end, and it's all true. Hey, well, thank you very much for your call. Now, there's a different take on it that, uh, you know, you were talking about places to go, but actually knowing someone who is connected to a character in the book, I mean, that that is really cool. And uh, I don't know, that kind of gives you, you've probably all read books where uh, maybe you know someone who's in the book and and it gives you, or there's a connection to it, and just gives you more of a connection as well. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. Welcome back to Smart Talk. It is our annual uh, books to read this summer, books to read on vacation, books to read at the beach, books to read anywhere you want to from the month of May all the way through September. What am I talking about? You can do a 12 months around with, with these books that we're talking about. By the way, before we go any further, Transforming Health Summer Read Project celebrates five years this summer. This year's selection is Pharmacology, Total Health from the Ground Up by Dr. Daphne Miller. The book takes a food-filled journey between between medical and ecological sciences and discovers how sustainable farms serve as a model for a healthy human body. Starting in July, readers throughout central Pennsylvania are encouraged to check out the book from their local library and talk about it with friends, family, co-workers, book discussion groups. There are over 10 participating library systems. 650 copies of Pharmacology will be made available to the community. And this September, Dr. Daphne Miller will visit the Mid-State for a special book signing and author event. The summer Read Project is a unique community partnership of WITF's Transforming Health, Aligning Forces for Quality South Central Pennsylvania and Central Pennsylvania Library System. It's supported by Wellspan Health, Penn State Health, and Capital Blue Cross. More at transforminghealth.org. 
Our guests today are panel, Dr. Travis Kurowski, an assistant professor of creative writing at York College of Pennsylvania, John Walker, who blogs at johnosbookreviews.com, and Catherine Lawrence, a writer and owner of Midtown Scholar Bookstore in Harrisburg. Your recommendations, phones are busy today. We'll try to get to as many as we can. 1-800-729-7532. We're sending email to smarttalk at witf.org. I'm going to go through uh, a few of the emails here. I have a listener that uh, recommends Unbroken. Now, Unbroken has been on the bestsellers list for a long time now. was made into a blockbuster movie. Highly recommended as well. A lot of action there. has to do with a former Olympic uh, champion who becomes uh, fights in World War II, goes to a Japanese POW camp. Uh, let's see. Great book, Make Your Bed. Excellent quick read. Gave it to my son upon graduation and entry into the military. Make Your Bed, you familiar, Catherine? Just the title. Just the title. Okay. We're just clicking through the, the recommendations here. The Prodigal Summer by Barbara uh, Kingsolver. Yeah. Uh, she says she reads it. This is from Kathy in Wrightsville. She says she rereads this every few years, always during the summer. It's a book that covers love, acceptance, family, racism, environmental issues, love and surprises at midlife and beyond. John, you've read it? Yeah. Yeah. Good, good book. book. Yeah, real good book. Okay. Let's see. We also have best books ever written by Frederick. Is it Bachman or Bachman? Bachman. Bachman. Leaving for the beach soon, and I'll be reading his book, My Grandmother. Asked me to tell you that she's sorry. Hope you enjoy a great summer read. Thanks, lovey. <laughs> Love it. I don't, I don't quite understand that, but uh, I hope you have email. a good time at the beach. Uh, Melanie says, members of my book club are reading Open Season by Archer Mare because our annual trip takes us to Brattleboro, Vermont this year, where the story is set. We're going to have a scavenger hunt based on the book, which is the first in the Joe Gunther series. It's by no means a new book, but a good murder mystery with a potential for not only good discussion, but fun playtime for adults. We're staying in the Rudyard Kipling House and touring other literary and presidential sites. Boy, that's, that's something. Great. Like a lot. Have you ever been to Brattleboro? Yeah, my brother lives up there. We really? were just up there the other week, and yeah, I think I remember reading about this guy who said a lot of mysteries up there. Yeah, and and I got to tell you, fantastic. that is, uh, I, I've only been to Brattleboro once, mm. and mm. it was in the middle of ski season, <laughs> and absolutely gorgeous. Love it. I mean, it's your typical New England, Vermont uh, skiing, and I imagine it's the same way even in the summer. Okay, let's take a call. We have so many calls here to choose from, which is a good thing, you know? I like hearing from the listeners. Let's go to uh, Laura and I want to make sure I'm going to get this wrong. I know I am. Let's go to hmm. If, if it seems like I'm having trouble picking it, we're having a little trouble here with my list of, of callers. So I'm going to take a shot. Is this Alice Ann? Perfect. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right, Alice. <laughs> What's on your mind? Well, I tell you, I wanted to add to the list of summer reading or anytime reading. It came out this year and. I have to also preface it by saying that one of my favorite films of all time is Dr. Zhivago. And the book that I'm recommending is uh, the book called Lara, and it's by Boris Pasternak's great niece, Anna Pasternak. Um, it's the backstory. There really was a Lara, but her name isn't Lara. Her name is Olga Ivinskaya, which I don't know if that sort of diminishes the, the great love story, but nonetheless, it, it's a story of their love affair, passionate love affair. Um, he is married. Um, the Soviet authorities are not happy with him, not because of that, but because uh, he wrote he decided to channel all of his passions as he knew he was in a, uh, an unhappy marriage and the Soviet authorities were not happy with him because of his wonderful poetry and, and other literary uh, things that he had done. And so he was a, he was a pain, a thorn uh, to the Soviets. And so they were trying to get at him. His wife, of course, was a, was a loveless marriage and... So you had this wonderful setting of the love affair going on. During the Soviet he Union, yeah. it's. Uh, well, I'm going to have to move on, Alice, but uh, what the name of the book again is? 
The name of the book is Lara, L-A-R-A. All right. Thank you very much for your call. You know, I, I think we've talked about this before, too, but the Cold War was a great setting for many, many books. She mentioned uh, Dr. Zhivago, uh, but as you know, she said it being about one of her favorite books and movies. But the Cold War was such a, a great time. And again, when we talk about how issues are uh, relevant today, obviously Russia is one of those things that uh, we hear about most often. Mike is in Halifax. And Mike, you have a bestseller as your favorite. <laughs> Yeah, I'm afraid I do. If it was only read as often as it was published, it would it would probably be more significant. My uh, my recommendation was to uh, was was to read the Bible, and and my idea was uh, many people read the Bible as, as a uh, a book of faith, but it, it also for those people who are not believers, it's a wonderful book of relationships and insight and struggle. And my sense is that if people read the Bible and let the stories speak to them and then wrestle with the stories, I think they'll come out ahead, even if they're not necessarily going to to see what other believers see. You know, I, I, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the air, because uh, you're bringing a different, <laughs> different perspective to it. Mike, thank you very much for your call. All right. Thank you. And, and, you know, that is a different way to look at it because... It's great writing in the Bible. Well, yeah. And as he said, it, stories. It yeah. tells stories. And, you know, isn't that what we're all looking for? Mm. Stories. Uh, Craig is in Ephrata. Craig, you're on the air. Hello. Hi. Uh, my two books you have two uh, that I would recommend are uh, from Carl Hyacin and Dennis Lehane. Uh, I like crime fiction. And uh, Carl Hyacin is such a great writer. And the reason I thought about this for The Beach is because it's based in Key West. Mm. And this guy writes with such humor and sarcasm and satire, and his his characters are amazingly colorful and funny. So and what... Dennis Lehane, uh, I'm sure your guests know that name, mm-hmm. uh, Live by Night, which was recently a motion picture by Ben Affleck, where he starred in it and directed. Um, I highly recommend the book over the movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's, well, it's so much better. Well, yeah, we, we've talked about that many times, that uh, usually the books are much better than the movies. But So Razor Girl and Live by Night. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, thank you very my much. Go- for your... My go-to book for a must-read in the summer yeah. goes back about 30 years, and that would be The Stand by Stephen yeah. King. That'll creep you out, but it's a good story. <laughs> okay, thank you very much for your call. And I, if I'm seem like I'm hurrying people along, and we have so many people <laughs> on the phone, I'm trying to get in. But Travis, I wanted to mention because yeah. almost every time we do this show, I have someone who sends an email to me and says, "You know, I would like to have." more poetry on your list of recommendations you have a poetry collection yeah and it's it's i think it's hard to find um good recommendations of poetry we're all talking about the new hot nonfiction topic or right. novel or something mm-hmm. like this but poetry is one of those things that we need in our life that we kind of forget about like william carlos williams said it's one of those things you can't get the news from that people die every day from what um we find in poetry um I've been searching, you know, all my life for for a great book, and one of the ones I found recently, a poetry collection, is um, a writer I discovered on Twitter. Uh, like I find lots of writers, is Morgan Parker, um, and her second poetry collection just came out um, recently from Tin House Books called um, "There Are More Beautiful Things Than Beyonce," and the the title's in reference to a sort of, hey everything's beautiful, you're beautiful, we're all beautiful, even though Beyonce is beautiful, and sort of looking inward instead of looking outward. And uh, it's, a, it's a collection of, of poems, certainly some of them about Beyonce, but they're about um, anxiety, um, um, Obama, um, self-love, blackness, femininity, um, and just, just language. I mean, poetry in itself is sort of a, a, just a way of making art. And if you wouldn't mind, if I could just read a tiny bit of the beginning of, of one poem. Sure, i got okay, about three is, minutes. Yeah, yeah this is um, um, from the beginning of the poem, So What, from the collection, just a few lines. If a pill comes into bed with me, like melon-colored dawn is liquid, grandma's lipstick, repentance, becoming sky, I am tired of coveting. This is where I hang my hat and kiss myself. Hello. What's the what's the name of that poem? That is titled "So What." It's one of, one of my my favorite poems in the collection. But the whole collection is fantastic. And the name the name again. And is? the whole the whole collection is is called "There Are More Beautiful Things 
um, than Beyonce. Okay. That's one of the good sellers in our shop. We have a new we have a new section devoted to the latest poetry, new voices, and uh, that's in about probably fifty or sixty titles of it, including really? that one. Really? So, Catherine, I, I promised that uh, with summer reads that yes. we would have some children's books because we know that uh, over the last few days we've heard a lot of parents say, "Oh, it's the last day of school, last day of school," and we hope that there are kids who are going to be reading books over the summer. So, yes, great. what are your recommendations? I've got a couple. Of children's picture books. So um, one is based on a true story called Quetzal, the cat who composed about a Baltimore cat who was the cat to a Juilliard graduate Peabody Music School professor. And as the cat walked across the keys of the uh, professor's piano, um, the professor then turned that into a symphony. It's a true story <laughs> and a, a great book with a lovely cat picture. It's probably the most read one in our store. And then also I like the theme of grandparents in books for kids. It's sort of some of you're going to the grandparents. They might want a book to share the kids. So we have Harrisburg's own Lauren Castillo is author and illustrator of a book called Nana in the City for when the child goes to visit grandma. And then I've got a couple others. Um, Sarah Pennypacker's book on packs about a boy named Peter who goes to visit his grandfather and has to give his pet fox back to the wilderness. Finally, my favorite on the list, Jason Reynolds' as Brave as You. This is for ages 10 and up. These aren't picture books anymore mm. as such. And it's a great story for summertime. Two brothers um, go from the city to visit their grandparents in rural Virginia and learn about crickets and fleas and grits and what it means to be brave. So those are and good grits there. too. <laughs> yeah. We only have about 90 seconds left and uh, never enough time. And our listeners really, really participated today. And what we're going to do is post our recommendations, our panel recommendations on our website. And I encourage you to go to our website, WITF.org, if we, you didn't get on the air uh, and list your recommendations. John, real quick, Strangers in Their Own Land. Yeah, this is a book that... Uh, About uh, 40 seconds. This is a book that uh, liberal, elitist-type Democrats need to read. When uh, Whenever they're talking, they say, well, how could this person vote this way? This person has humanized uh, the, that Trumpian uh, Tea Party voter, and uh, you'll understand them and much better, and I think that's what the world could use. One of the books that I, I'm actually reading right now and hope to interview the author here in the near future, and it's got a lot of attention since the election and even before, and the name of the book is White Trash, and actually, it, and that was on the bestseller list too, right, Catherine. Right, got that. Um, it's, it was before the election, but it was about class in America going all the way back to the 1600s. Uh, so, the, the, I don't know, the name of the book may be unfortunate, uh, but it was on the bestseller list, and I know that uh, the author's been interviewed on NPR, but I hope to get her, too. I uh, want to thank all three of you for being with us, Catherine Lawrence, John Walker, and Travis Kurowski. Thank you very much for being with us, and again, I hope that uh, our listeners continue the conversation on our website. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Scott. Coming up on uh, Monday's show, we're going to talk about property taxes. Smart Talk is produced by WITF as part of our mission to deliver relevant, high-quality programming. Support for this program comes from Capital Blue Cross, which shares WITF's commitment to being a valuable and trusted resource for the communities we serve. Capital Blue Cross, live fearless. Smart Talk is also supported by Pinnacle Health, committed to reducing hospital-acquired infections and readmission rates. More information on Pinnacle Health's achievements in patient safety can be found at pinnaclehealth.org quality.